I've been thinking about three words this week that have sort of been rattling around in my head all week. People need hope. People need hope. In a world that's filled with 24-hour news cycles where every time you turn on the news, you hear more bad news, people dying, earthquakes, fires, bombing, shootings, death, destruction, decay. And then on top of that are the things going on in our own personal lives, things that we're struggling with, things that we're grieving over, things that are causing us to sorrow and that are breaking our heart. People need hope. I think that's why on Easter Sunday, churches, church buildings throughout this country and across the world are filled with people because people know that Easter has something to do with hope and people need hope. I need hope. I need hope. I don't suppose a year has gone by in my life where I haven't lost somebody that I know, somebody that I love, but the last couple of years in particular have seemed a little bit more tragic. Deaths that weren't expected. I've told you before about a young man, teenager, that I had known since he was two years old. His name was Caleb, and he died two years ago in a car accident. And then a couple of weeks ago, a good friend of mine, an elder in the church in Abilene, 55 years old, died in a car accident. I need hope. You need hope. Every single one of us have experienced sorrow and grief. You've lost people that it was expected, and you've lost people in unexpected ways. I, I don't want to start today talking about death, but how do you talk about the hope that the resurrection brings us without talking about the reality of death? The reason why we need hope is because we live in a world where we have constant reminders of death. Death is the enemy. 1 Corinthians 15, death is an enemy of God and of God's people. Death is an intruder on God's good world. Death is, and I think this is particularly important because we're looking at the Gospel of John, and John is all about creation. It's all about the creator, Jesus, coming into the world and bringing about rebirth, new creation. So it's important for us to recognize that death is, here's a new word for you maybe, uncreation. Death is the opposite of creation. Death is things that God created becoming uncreated. Think about a human being. What is it that God made people out of? God made us out of the, the dirt, the earth, the dust. And he formed us and then he breathed into us life. And death is literally human beings coming undone. It is uncreation. And so for anyone who is grieving, who has grieved, who will grieve, and that's all of us, this lesson, this truth of the resurrection brings us hope. But this morning, we're going to look at a text that might be a little bit surprising. In fact, here's, here's my definition before we go on. Here's my definition of hope. Hope is confident expectation about the future that gives us strength in the present. Hope is incredibly practical and powerful because it's not just about the future. It is about the future, about something that you have a confident expectation of, but something that gives you strength in the present. And that's what the resurrection 
and the truth and the hope of the resurrection bring to us in the present reality. And the story we're going to look at is about Lazarus. And and Lazarus was, if you don't know, was a good friend of Jesus, somebody that Jesus loved and cared for deeply. Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha, and Jesus loved this whole family. They were very close to him, and Lazarus was sick. He was really sick, and they knew that this sickness was fatal. And so they did what you would do. They asked Jesus to come and help. Right? And there was plenty of time for Jesus to come and help and to make Lazarus better and to, to heal him and make it so that he didn't die. But Jesus did something surprising. He intentionally waited and didn't come in time to heal Lazarus and make him better. And by the time Jesus does show up at Lazarus's house, Lazarus has already been in the grave for four days. And the house is filled with mourners and family and friends, everybody that had come to grieve the passing of Lazarus, somebody that everyone, including Jesus, loved dearly. Now look at our text, John 11 and verse 20. It says, so when Martha heard, that's Lazarus' sister, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary, the other sister, remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. This is a a, a phrase, an idea that's repeated three times in the text this morning. If you had been here. And all Martha is doing is expressing her faith in Jesus' ability. Even when she says, even now, even now in my disappointment, even now in my grief, even now in my sorrow, I know that you're a healer. She's not expecting Jesus to raise Lazarus from the dead, but she's still saying, "I, I know you I know you could have answered this prayer, this request. We sent for you. We gave you time. You could have come here. And maybe she's a little bit angry, but I'd say mostly she's just disappointed. And you've experienced that, haven't you? I've experienced that. Where somebody you love is sick and is hurting and is on death's doorstep. And you're praying and asking and saying, God, I know you. I know that you can do whatever it is that you want to do. And I know you can make this person better. And sometimes the answer is no. And it's incredibly disappointing. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. You see, all the the Jews, except for the Sadducees, that's what made the Sadducees different as a group, was they didn't believe in a coming bodily resurrection. They didn't believe in that. But everybody else, including Jesus and his apostles, believed that at the last day, that that when, when history, when the timeline ran out, the very last day, God would raise the wicked and the righteous and that there would be a judgment and he would reward the righteous. And so they all believed that that would eventually there would be a resurrection. And so when Jesus says, your brother will rise again, Martha thinks, well, yeah, of course, I know that, duh. Everybody knows that. There's going to be a resurrection. I understand that. But right now, what do I have right now, right now to bring me comfort and bring me strength? Now, listen to what Jesus says. She says, I know he'll rise again. And Jesus says, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die And then he asked her, do you believe this? Now, this is where I want to spend our time this morning thinking about this. Because Jesus is saying something that for Mary and Martha and for you and me and everybody who reads this text, it should be an incredible paradigm shift about our hope. Because Jesus says, not just that resurrection is something he can do, but he says resurrection is something he is. He says, I 
am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection isn't just something that I do. It's something I am. I am the resurrection. And just like all throughout this gospel account, Jesus is reorienting all of their hopes and expectations around himself. I am the bread from heaven. I am. I am the temple of God. I am. I love the way C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, have you read that book? Where, where the whole world is in this perpetual state of winter. And that's what it can feel like in life, can't it? Especially when you've just buried your loved one. I mean, just imagine, I know it's hard in Texas to imagine a world of winter, but, but imagine a world that's just completely frozen and it's all you've ever known and, and there's all of this. And you could say, yeah, I know, eventually, I, I know eventually spring is coming, right? I know intellectually, I know as a concept, as an abstract idea, yeah, I know spring is coming, but right now I'm in the middle of winter. And Jesus is saying, I am the spring, Not I will be the spring or I will bring about the spring, but I am the spring. Right now, in the middle of winter, I am the spring bursting forth. Winter's still going on, but I am the spring. Or to put it in a a metaphor that John uses all the time, in the middle of the darkness, I am the light. I am the daylight bursting into the middle of the night. I am the age to come bursting forth in the middle of this age. I am the new creation bursting forth in the middle of the old creation. Just just kind of picture that in your head. Picture a whole frozen world of winter or a whole world of night. And in one spot, there is springtime and there is light. Jesus is saying, not just I can do resurrection, I have the power of resurrection, but I am the resurrection. And the life. We'll come back to that in just a second. So he asked her, Do you believe this? And she says to him, Lord, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. And when she had said this, she went and she called her sister Mary, saying in private, Now imagine again, the house is packed with people that are there, family and friends and mourners, and, and they're all there grieving. And, and so Martha kind of slips in and whispers in her ear and says, The teacher is here. And he's calling for you. And when Mary heard that, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but he was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I mean, when, when you see Jesus' power, when all of us understand that God has the power to heal, to give sight to the blind, to make the lame be able to walk, when you see the, the fact that Jesus has the power to heal your loved ones and keep them from dying, your biggest question is then why didn't you do it? But it's sort of a misunderstanding about the mission of Jesus, isn't it? Because Jesus didn't just come to extend everybody's mortal lives even longer. I mean, in a way, again, back to the metaphor of darkness and light, the age that is and the age to come, the winter and the spring, Jesus didn't just come to extend the winter even longer. He came to be the spring, the age to come that is in, right in the middle of this age, bursting forth. 
He came to be the daylight of a new day dawning, a day in which death and disease and decay and destruction will all be a thing of the past. But when you're in the midst of that and somebody that you love is dying and hurting, your only prayer is just extend their life even longer, make them well. And when Jesus didn't show up, her question, Mary's question, was the same as Martha's question, why not? If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he said he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. I've told in the Greek, it's like when he says he's greatly troubled, it's like he's He's angry. It's almost like a horse snorting. You know that? I won't make that noise for you, but you, you, you know, you know that, that feeling when you're just, you're just so upset that, that you're just, oh, and that's the way Jesus is. Why? What is it that's making him so upset? There could be lots of things, but I think, I think it's good to know that God is just as troubled and just as upset and just as angry about this world of sin and death and brokenness and decay and destruction in which the humanity that he loves so very much is exiled, that God is just as troubled about that as we are. He was deeply moved and troubled. Then he asked, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Again, same question, third time. If he had just been here, he would have extended this man's life and he wouldn't have died. And then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Now, imagine, picture in your head, there's the tomb. They've had these conversations and now they've come to the grave. Mary and Martha have no expectation that Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. I mean, the reason he's probably asking, they're thinking, where have you laid him? Where's his grave? I want to go there. I want to visit the grave. I want to weep. I want to cry. I loved him. He was my friend. And so they all go to the tomb, and there's this huge stone rolled in front of it. And so they're standing there, and that's what they expect Jesus to do is weep and mourn. But it says this in verse 39, take away the stone. Jesus says, take away the Why do you want to take away the stone? What are you doing? Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there'll be an odor. He's been in there for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when Jesus had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now let's kind of think about what does this story mean? As we read through the gospel account of John, John is always telling us that the things that Jesus did were called signs, right? The things Jesus did were signs. And that's what a sign does. A sign, just like a street sign, it points outside of itself to something else. The resurrection of Lazarus is pointing to something else. It's a sign that tells us something. And Jesus already, verse 25, told us what it was all about. You see, Lazarus isn't the spring bursting forth into the winter. 
Lazarus, when he's raised from the dead, he, he comes out bodily, but eventually he's going to die again, right? He still has a body that is decaying and dying and that will die again, and he'll go back into the grave. Lazarus isn't the spring bursting forth into the winter. Lazarus isn't the light bursting forth into the night. Lazarus isn't the new creation bursting forth into the old creation. Who is? Jesus. The resurrection of Lazarus is a sign that's pointing forward to the rest of the story because we know that Jesus, too, will die, give his life, and be laid in a tomb, and that he'll come forth bodily from the tomb, and that the tomb will be empty, that he'll be raised from the dead. But, but just as importantly, it points to the truth and the reality of verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. You see, this reality to which it points, the resurrection and identity of Jesus is the reality to which the resurrection of Lazarus points. This being raised from the dead, in some ways it's very similar to what Jesus will experience, right? I mean, they are both dead, they both were laid in a tomb, and they'll both come forth. But in many ways it's very different because Jesus' resurrection, he'll be raised with a transformed, immortal, imperishable body. And you see, that's what we're promised too, isn't it? For those of us that are in Christ Jesus, all of Jesus' people will experience in some ways a resurrection like Lazarus in that our tombs will be empty. And do we, do we realize that? When we say resurrection, it's not like a metaphor. It's not a fancy word for like go to heaven and have a, you know, sit on a cloud. I, I mean, when we say resurrection, we, we mean exactly what the scriptures mean. The, the tomb of Lazarus was empty. The tomb of Jesus was empty. And if you're in Christ Jesus, your grave will someday be empty when you're raised, not like Lazarus to die again, but you're raised like Jesus to never die again. 1 Corinthians 15, with an immortal and imperishable body, you'll be raised to never die. And that is our hope that the resurrection of Lazarus points to. Not because we have this hope in this idea of resurrection, but we have this hope in the person of Jesus Christ who said, I am the resurrection and the life. Think about those two things that he said. Whoever believes in me, though he, what? Die, because that's the reality of living in this winter body, so to speak. This body that's decaying and dying. But though he die, because Jesus is, in the, is the resurrection, if you believe in him, though you die, yet shall you live. Future tense. That's our future hope. That even though we die, and even though my friend Caleb died, and my friend Wayne died, and so many people in Christ that I love and cherish have died, my hope is in the resurrection. Not in the idea of resurrection, but in the person, Jesus, who is the resurrection. He is the age to come bursting forth. When he came out on that Sunday morning, resurrection had begun. When he came forth, the new day, the age to come, the springtime, the daylight had already begun to burst forth right in the middle of all of this. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. But he also says, I am the life. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. 
That's your present reality. Do we understand that? That when we live and we believe in Jesus, we have already received and we already possess life for the age to come. We already possess eternal life. That right now, you live because you believe in Jesus. You have become, by putting your faith in Jesus, you've become a little bit of the spring bursting forth into a world of winter. No matter who you were or what you've done or where you've been, when you put your faith in Jesus, not only do you have a hope of future resurrection, but you have a present reality of life. You are a little bit of the light bursting forth into the world of darkness. You are a little bit of the new creation bursting forth in the old creation. You are a little bit of the world and the age to come bursting forth in this one because you live and you believe in him. And in a sense, you will never die because you already live. So every week we ask ourselves a moment of truth question where we just sort of wrestle with the text and the idea that Jesus is telling us. And the moment of truth this week is super simple and it's a question that Jesus asked to Martha. The question is, do you believe this? The moment of truth, do you believe this? Do you believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus that his tomb is empty, that he was raised to never die again? And do you believe in your own coming resurrection that you will experience? And do you believe that if you live and you believe in him, you already have life? Because believing these things changes everything. It changes how you talk to people. It changes how you grieve. It changes how you hope. It changes how you sorrow. It changes how you live. It changes everything to know not only that you will experience springtime someday, but you've already begun to taste it. You've already begun to experience it because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And I don't know about you, but sometimes I need reminders of this. Sometimes living in a world of darkness and a world of winter, I need reminders of the hope that we have in Jesus. I need reminders that he is the resurrection and the life. And because I believe in him, though I die, yet shall I live. And as I live and believe in him, I'll never die. I need to be reminded of this. And that's why I thank you for ministering to me. That's why this is so important, isn't it? To come together and sing these songs and pray these prayers and break the bread and drink the cup and listen to the words of Jesus. This helps me to believe. And believing these things, believing in Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, changes everything. Not just changes everything because something is going to happen, but changes everything because something has happened. Changes everything because of the identity and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you believe this? And if you need, if you need prayers from other people who believe this, because maybe you've lost your way, or maybe you're feeling hopeless. We want you to leave here feeling hopeful. We want to pray with you. We want to listen to you. We want to minister to you. We want to help you any way that we can. Our shepherds in my office, just a minute after service, they would love to meet with you. 
Or right now, everybody in this room would love to minister to you and hug you and help you and pray for you. If you're ready to put Jesus on in baptism and begin that new life, anything we can do for you, come forward now as we stand and sing.